0: An excerpt from Comfort and Joy by Judith Arnold, read by Tom Deere. Christmas was Robin Greer's favorite holiday. She loved the rituals, loved the festivities, mostly just loved being able to share that special day with her son. But this year, Christmas would be bleak. Her ex-husband had presented their son with a Disney World vacation, and he'd bolted leaving his mother to face the holiday alone. Well, not quite alone. Jesse Lawson, the new man in her life, had offered to spend Christmas with her. But the legal aid lawyer was an avowed atheist. He told her Christmas meant nothing to him. How could someone who didn't believe in the best holiday of the year make the day bearable for Robin? She figured she would just go home after work Christmas Eve and nibble on the gingerbread house she'd baked and... "'feel sorry for herself.' "'The home goods store she managed "'remained frenzied until 5.30. "'Then, as if answering some silent command, "'the customers vanished, "'toting their purchases with them. "'At ten minutes to six, "'one final hysterical customer entered, "'snatched up the last three soldier nutcrackers, "'paid for them in cash, and whisked away. "'And then it was over. "'After wishing her staff a happy holiday,' Distributing bonus checks and shooing the clerks out the door, Robin locked up and turned to survey the shop. The place was a shambles. Merchandise picked over, shelves empty, a pewter pitcher resting upside down on a table. Robin sighed as she crossed to the cash register and shut it down. The store would be closed tomorrow, but she could come in early the day after to organize the place before the expected rush of returns. Or, what the hell, She could come in tomorrow, she thought glumly. Without her son to share Christmas with her, Robin had no celebration planned. A tap at the door startled her. She turned toward the store's entry. Jesse stood outside, his hand shielding his eyes as he peered through the glass. His coat was unbuttoned, and he had on a business suit underneath it, with his tie hanging loose and his shirt collar unbuttoned. His breath emerged as small white puffs of vapor. The sight of him cheered her. As soon as she opened the door, he pushed inside, eager to escape the winter chill. His lips were cool but comforting as he kissed her cheek. Then he scanned the disheveled store. If it's closed, how come you're still here? he asked. Maybe I was waiting for you. Robin wasn't certain that was true, but she felt good saying it. Seeing how much her statement pleased Jessie made her feel even better. I stopped by your house, but you weren't there, so I cruised over here to see if you'd decided to keep the store open an extra hour. You came straight from work, Robin observed, scrutinizing his outfit. Yeah, well, I've got an errand to run. I thought I ought to take care of it first and then go home and unwind. What errand? Robin asked. Maybe she could join him. It might take her mind off the Christmas decorations and untouched gifts for her son that were waiting under the tree at home. I've got some food to deliver to my clients. Want to come along for the ride? Food? she questioned. Food baskets, you mean? Jesse glanced through the glass front wall to his car, which was parked by the curb. Food bags. I stopped at the supermarket and picked up a few things I thought they could use. I know what their finances are like. I didn't want them to be eating peanut butter on Christmas. Robin's eyes narrowed on him. This man, this Grinch who thought Christmas was just one more day, had purchased Christmas meals for his clients. What a phony! Blustering about his lack of faith, his rejection of religion, and here he was, the personification of Santa Claus himself. Jessie met her gaze and smiled sheepishly clearly attuned to what she was thinking. "'It's just some stuff in cans,' he said. "'Don't get the wrong idea.' "'I'll tell you what the wrong idea is,' Robin argued, feeling her energy and her sense of purpose revive. "'The wrong idea is to give people their food in bags instead of baskets. If you're going to do this, you have to do it right.' He smiled dubiously. "'Okay, Robin, how do we do this right?' First, we get some baskets,' she said, hurrying across the store to the display of woven wicker baskets. Most of the fancy baskets, the one with lids and compartments for chilled wine bottles and glasses, had already been sold, but a few plain baskets remained on a low shelf. "'How many do we need?' Four, Jesse told her, taking the baskets as she handed them up to him. "'We can use this larger one for the Selbies. They're a big family.' I bought them a bigger ham. Ham? Grinning, she stood and marched through the store until she came to the remaining Christmas linens. You're a hypocrite, pretending to hate Christmas, and you went and bought these people hams. I'm not a hypocrite, he defended himself. I've never objected to giving. All I object to is concentrating a year's worth of giving on one day and then not giving for the rest of the year. Sure. "'Robin scoffed as she plucked four red and green tablecloths from a shelf. "'And how many other days of the year do you give your clients hams?' "'Jesse conceded with a grin. "'I figure it'll mean more to them on Christmas than at some other time. "'They're the ones who are celebrating, not me.' "'Uh-huh.' "'Hey, give me a break,' he protested. "'You're the one who's fixing up these ridiculous baskets. "'They aren't ridiculous.' Robin folded the linens and used them to line the baskets. If you do a thing, you do it right. "'Who's going to pay for all this stuff?' Jesse asked, smoothing out the corner of one of the tablecloths. "'I am,' Robin said simply. "'If your clients deserve a ham dinner, then they deserve to receive it in style. Go get the food.' By the time he returned to the store, lugging two bulging paper bags— Robin had added a clove-scented candle and a snowflake-shaped tree ornament to each basket. Here we go. He dumped the bags onto the counter and unloaded them. Along with the hams, he'd bought canned sweet potatoes, canned string beans, tins of fruitcake, and boxes of Christmas candy. Robin and Jesse distributed the food among the four baskets, then folded the tablecloths over the tops. Let me get my coat, Robin said, detouring to the staff room. She donned her coat, turned off the lights, and gathered two of the baskets while Jessie lifted the other two. It wasn't until they were on the turnpike, heading for the city, that she wondered what had happened to her melancholy mood. She'd been so busy arranging the baskets that she'd forgotten how lonely she was without her son. She wondered, too, what had happened to her doubt about Jessie that he deliberately twisted the radio dial to a grating rock-and-roll program the minute he heard a fragment of the Hallelujah Chorus on another station didn't bother her in the least. She'd gladly provide the carols, over his objections, if necessary. She'd provide the tree and the gingerbread house and the pretty gift-wrapped boxes, as long as Jesse provided the Christmas spirit. And that he was doing. Robin rarely drove through the part of the city Jesse was now entering, The buildings were shabby and aged, and battered cars lined the dimly lit roads. Jesse steered past a block of dilapidated duplexes and gloomy apartments, finally coasting to a halt in front of a run-down four-story building with a few cracked and boarded windows gracing its front wall. Robin cringed at the realization that people actually lived inside such a dark, unwelcoming building. To her surprise, Jesse seemed pleased by the sight of the place. They collected the garbage, he shouted, swinging open his door. It's about time. You mean it could have been worse? Robin blurted out, trying to picture the building with the added blight of garbage heaped around its front door. It has been worse, Jesse said, opening the trunk of his car and pulling out the baskets. I wonder what prompted Cabot to pay for the garbage removal. He's the landlord, the guy we're suing. The Christmas spirit prompted Cabot. "'Robin almost said. "'But Jessie might think she was nagging him "'as she mentioned that, "'so she only smiled and followed him "'inside the grim apartment building. "'Jesse knocked on a door in the first-floor hallway. "'A stocky young man holding an open bottle of beer answered. "'Mr. Lawson?' he asked, "'speaking loudly to drown out the babble of voices "'and salsa music emerging from somewhere inside the apartment. "'His gaze flew to Robin, and his eyebrows rose.' "'Who's this? Another lawyer?' "'Hello, Mr. Martinez. This is a friend of mine,' Jesse replied. "'We brought you some food for tomorrow, in case you want to make a Christmas dinner.' He took one of Robin's baskets and handed it to the man, who peeked underneath the linen and whistled in amazement. "'I wish I could have come with good news about Mr. Cabot,' Jesse added. "'This is good news,' the young man said, his eyes glowing with gratitude. "'Gracias, Mr. Lawson.' My mother, she's going to love this. She'll make us a big feast. Gracias. Feliz Navidad. Jessie nodded bashfully, then took Robin's hand and escorted her down the hall to the stairs. He wouldn't dare to say Merry Christmas, she thought, amused. If he did, someone might actually think he believed in what he was doing. Can't we take the elevator? she asked as Jessie began climbing to the second floor. It's broken, he told her. On the second floor, Jesse knocked on another door. A wizened, elderly woman cracked it open and squinted at him above the chain lock. Recognizing him, she closed the door to release the chain, then opened it a few inches more. "'What is it, Lawson?' she asked suspiciously. "'You got our settlement money?' "'I'm sorry, no,' Jesse said apologetically. "'What I've got is some food for tomorrow.' The woman turned her sour gaze to the basket Jesse extended to her. "Hm," she muttered. What am I supposed to do with the basket? Jesse turned to Robin for assistance. The baskets had been her idea, after all. You can use it for whatever you want, Robin said, figuring that this cranky woman was not likely to go on picnics or pick berries. "Hm," the woman grunted again. She eyed the basket in Jesse's hand. You brought one for her? she asked angling her head toward a door across the hall. She ain't home. Jesse took the other small basket from Robin and handed it to Mrs. Stokes. Perhaps you could give this to her when she comes home. Mrs. Stokes scowled and pulled the basket inside. God knows when she'll be home, carrying on the way she does. Mrs. Stokes, it's Christmas, Jesse said awkwardly. Have a little charity. Mrs. Stokes mumbled something that resembled a thank you and slammed her door. What a strange woman, Robin whispered as they strolled back down the hall to the staircase. Jesse chuckled. She's a first-class bitch. And she never passes up an opportunity to complain about Sheena, who lives across the hall from her. When they reached the third-floor hallway, Jesse stopped and gaped at the light bulb glowing in the ceiling. He scowled. Gerald, he muttered who's Gerald? Not bothering to answer, Jesse knocked on one of the doors. It swung open to reveal a strapping young man in blue jeans, his hair cropped short. The baby he held on his hip was wearing an oversized sailor cap, which drooped adorably across his eyes. Mr. Lawson, the man greeted Jesse. It isn't time to go back to Newport yet, is it? Me and my nephew are having too much fun. Tomorrow night, Jesse said, hovering on the threshold. Gerald, did you replace the light bulb in the hall? I told your mother. Uh-uh, it wasn't me. Mama said some guy was by this morning, changing the bulbs and checking the lock on the front door. Said Mr. Cabot sent him, and they wanted to take care of a few things. Come on in, ask Mama yourself. The man waved Jesse and Robin inside. The cramped living room of the apartment echoed with the sound of Bruce Springsteen singing Santa Claus is Coming to Town in his gravelly, hard rock voice. Four teenagers were gathered around a small, flimsy-looking tree, hanging the spindly twigs with tinsel. A gray-haired woman sat in a faded easy chair, but she rose at Jesse and Robin's entrance. "'Mr. Lawson!' she cried frantically, hurrying across the room to him. You haven't come to take Gerald back, have you? No, he's on leave until tomorrow, Mrs. Selby, Jessie reassured her, extending the basket to her as the teenagers hung back shyly. We just dropped by to bring you this. As soon as Mrs. Selby took the basket, the teenagers swarmed around her. Ooh, look, one of the girls shouted, pulling the wooden snowflake from the basket. Look at this, for our tree. She swooped down on the bedraggled-looking tree and attached the snowflake. Oh, my God, Mrs. Selby gasped, staring at the food in the basket. Oh, Mr. Lawson, we were going to have nothing worth eating for supper tomorrow, and now this? I don't know what to say. Say thank you, Mama, Gerald coached her. This is awfully kind of you, Mr. Lawson. I praise God you came into our lives, Mr. Lawson, Mrs. Selby babbled carrying the basket into the kitchen and setting it on the table. Let me empty out this basket so you can take it home. The basket is yours to keep, Jesse corrected her. You can thank Robin for that. He looped an arm around Robin's shoulders and gave her a squeeze. You can also thank her for the candle and the tablecloth. Two of the girls had already removed the contents of the basket and unfolded the linen. They squealed in delight at the red and green pattern of wreaths decorating it. Mrs. Selby dropped onto a chair, stunned. "'You are too good to us,' she said. "'I thought all my prayers were answered when you brought Gerald home yesterday. And then that man came and fixed the light in the hall this morning. And now this! I just don't know what to say!' "'Don't say anything,' Jessie suggested, patting her arm. "'We're on our way. You'd better get back to trimming your tree.' Robin's gaze passed from the gray-haired woman to Gerald and back again. Mrs. Selby had gotten to have her son home with her for the holiday, and Robin hadn't. Yet she felt no envy, no resentment of the woman. It was Christmas, and Christmas didn't have room in it for jealousy. It had room only for this—giving, making others happy, bringing joy. Her eyes met Mrs. Selby's. "'Merry Christmas.' she said softly. Bless you, Mrs. Selby murmured. May God bless you both. The climb downstairs passed in silence. By the time Jesse and Robin reached the car, she was crying. When he moved to unlock the passenger door for her, he noticed the tears streaking down her cheeks. He frowned. What's wrong? he asked, drawing her against himself in a consoling embrace. She rested her head against his shoulder and sniffled away her tears. It's nothing, really. I'm all right. He ran his fingers through her hair, thoughtful and concerned. I'm sorry, Robin. I thought you'd enjoy this. It was something I wanted to do. Now we'll do something you want to do. Sing jingle bells, roast chestnuts over an open fire, go to church, if you insist. Whatever you want. No, Jessie, she said her voice gaining strength. She tilted her head back so she could see him. We've just done what I wanted to do. His frown intensified. Then why are you crying? She brushed her tears away with her fingertips. It was so beautiful what you did, she said. Even that nasty woman who didn't have the good grace to thank you. I bet you knew she wouldn't, and you gave her the basket anyway. I've never seen anything so beautiful in my life. Jesse gazed at her, his frown dissolving into a look of bemusement. It wasn't so beautiful, he said modestly. It was just something I wanted to do. Because it was Christmas, Robin said. Because it was their holiday, and I thought they should have a good one. I don't have to believe in Christmas to do something for someone who does. And now, he touched his lips to hers. I'll do something for you. You've already done something for me, Robin insisted. What have I done for you? Cleaned out your store's supply of baskets? You've made me realize that there's a whole lot more to Christmas than putting the tree in the same corner every year. And I love you for it, Jessie. I love you. Her arms coiled around his waist, beneath his coat, and she rose on tiptoe to kiss him. This has been an excerpt from Comfort and Joy, written by Judith Arnold, narrated by Tom Deere. Thank you for listening.